All right. Now I'm really offended. <laughs> you clap for Brittany. You clap for the kids. Me, nothing. Not a thing. All right, we're going to be in the book of Psalms tonight. If you have your Bible, turn with me, please, to the book of Psalms. And we're going to look together at Psalm number 46 in the time that we have together. And while you're finding your place, all kiddos, ages four years old through third grade or closely there too, may be dismissed by your leave mom and dad to head out the back of the auditorium with Miss Brittany to their special class. <laughs> he wants to stay and hear me. Can you blame him, really? I mean... All right. It's good to see you here tonight. Thanks for coming out on this Sunday or Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever day it is. We're not really sure, but it's one of those uh, on this Wednesday night. Really are glad that you're here. It's um, hard to believe Pastor and I were talking before the service begins. It's, it's hard to believe how quickly the week goes in a revival week. For those of you who have been able to uh, come to the services, to several of the services this week, it just, it flies by, and I know you're busy, and perhaps you're a little bit tired after a week of being out later than what you're used to, or at least um, changing up what you normally do in the evenings, a little bit different than what you're used to, so uh, sometimes that wears on the body a little bit, and I get, I get that, I understand it, uh, but I'm glad that you chose to come out tonight, and I hope, if you can, I hope that you come back tomorrow night. Tomorrow night's the last night of the Revival Week, so um, we'll look at God's Word tomorrow and enjoy some singing together and several different things. Again, uh, feel free to invite folks to come to any service. At every service, we always take an opportunity to share about who the Lord Jesus Christ is and about what He can do for people. And anytime the Bible is preached, even if it's not specifically on the cross and the sacrifice on behalf of our sin, anytime the Bible is preached, then God can take and use that in the hearts of people who come. We need more of God, not less of Him. We need more of the Bible, not less. Our nation needs more righteousness, not less of it. Even just to be a good society, we need that. But of course, it has to be connected um, to God, His Word, and to the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, invite people to come tomorrow night. For those of you who have prayed this week for the services, thank you very much. Please continue to do that, that God will give to me exactly what I need in order to be able to give it to you. And then pray for yourself this week that God will speak to your heart in the next couple services, both this one and then tomorrow night as well. Real quickly, before we look at this passage, I want to mention um, something that's back on the back table that I think is worth your um, having. If you're a reader, if you enjoy reading, this is a book that was written by a friend of mine who pastored a church in Oklahoma for a number of years. He's now retired from the pastorate, but he travels around and preaches in different churches all over the United States and is really a big help. When he was pastoring, he did a study and a series on an element of our faith that has been sadly set aside or at least misunderstood or we're not giving the emphasis to it like, like we ought to. And he wrote a book regarding his study and his preaching. And it has been a help to me personally. And I would, I would like to suggest it to you. Again, if you're a reader, um, as I mentioned the first part of the week, I don't want you to buy a doorstop. In other words, if you're not going to read it, this is not, it's not worth it to stick it under the table so the table doesn't shake back and forth anymore. But if you're a reader and, um, and you're interested in a walk with God that is real, that's alive, vivacious, um, this is a book entitled Worship in the Ear of God. And it talks about what biblical worship is and what it looks like and the impact it has specifically as it comes to the matter of our communicating with God 
and talking to the Lord about the things that we need and the things that he would desire. So if you're a reader, I would encourage this to you. Worship in the ear of God. And then the other things that have been mentioned already, the music and the music books and such that are back there. If you have questions about any of them, Seth will be glad to answer your questions um, after the service is finished. All right. I mentioned the other night when we looked at Matthew 22 that it was one of my top three favorite passages in the scripture. Psalm 46 is another passage that's in the top three. In fact, in almost every revival meeting I preach, at least the first time I'm at a church for a revival meeting, I will almost always go to Psalm 46. And sometimes when I go back to a church, I will go back to Psalm number 46. Because this is one of those passages that has had a, um, a significant impact in my life on a regular basis. Not just, I heard it once, it spoke to my heart, I made a decision, that was the end of it. But this is one of those passages where I heard it, I read it, it came to life, and every time I preach it, it comes to life to me again and again and again. And so if it is possible in the giving of what God showed to me out of this passage, for that to have the same, for this to have the same impact in your life, I would love it. And here's the great thing about this psalm. In just a minute, you'll see this. But this psalm is powerful because it, it covers you no matter where you are personally and as far as your um, spiritual life. There may be some here tonight who spiritually, there's not a lot going on on the inside of you right now. Maybe you have some questions or some thoughts, some philosophy, some ideas. You've looked on the internet, you've gotten some, some direction, a little bit about what maybe you think, but you're not really sure. And as far as a relationship with God, well, outside of the fact that you might think that he created you, there's not really much of a relationship. Well, Psalm 46 speaks to you. And for those who have been saved for 25 or 30 or 40 years, and you have a walk with the Lord, this is going to be helpful to you tonight as well. And there may be some as well here tonight who you have trusted Christ as Savior, but as far as your daily walk with God, um, there's not much to it, or maybe you've kind of gotten off track a little bit. Well, this, this passage covers the entire gamut of humanity. Everybody it really does. And that's one of the things that caught my attention about it several years ago when I was looking at it. So what I'd like to do, we're going to key in on one verse tonight, but I'd like to read the entire psalm tonight. And I'm going to start in verse number one. And what I'd like to do, if it's, if it's all right with you all, and even if it's not, what I'd like to do is I'd like to have us read this responsively. So I'm going to read verse one, and then I'd like to invite you to read verse two. I'll read verse three. You read verse four. We'll go back and forth. If, if you have a Bible and can see it, great. If um, you can't but can look on with somebody else, fine. There are some Bibles in the racks in front of you. You can look it up there. And if, if you prefer not to participate in it, that's fine as well. You can just listen. The whole reason why I encourage people to look at the copies of the Scripture is because I want you to know that this is not something that I came up with, but it comes from God himself. This is, this is his word, so it has, it has the authority of God behind it. So if you're physically able, just to show our public respect for the Scriptures as we read together, would you mind standing with me? And uh, let me, as I mentioned before, let us read responsibly. I'll read verse 1, you go to verse 2, and we'll go back and forth. The Bible says this, Psalm 46, 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, 
and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved, he uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease under the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. And together, let's read. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And Father, as we look at this passage, help us to learn what we need to learn. Please help me, Father, to be able to clearly explain what you say and not to add to it what I think, but just to give what you've said and explain the uh, intended purpose. And may it accomplish in the hearts of every person who has ears to receive exactly what you intend for it to accomplish. Father, if there are some here tonight and they don't know you, I pray that through this they would come to know you, or at least more about you, so that they can make an informed decision. And Holy Spirit, that you would do a work in their heart, please. And Father, for those who do know you, but there are things going on in their life that are hindering, that's hindering their walk with you, I pray that you'd help them tonight with that. And for others, that they would be encouraged in their walk. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I ask these things. Amen. Thanks for standing. Please be seated tonight. I came across this psalm, rather, God used it to speak to my heart several years ago when I had made a decision to read through the entire Bible, just just out of curiosity. Any of you ever decide, like at the beginning of the year, that you're going to read through the entire Bible, and uh, you're going to do it in a year or in two years, and you make it to about hmm, Leviticus chapter 17, has this ever happened to anybody else and you fell off the wagon? Okay, it's happened to me on a couple of occasions where I've decided I'm going to read through the entire Bible. And Genesis is exciting, you know, because there's lots of stuff, lots of stories and things that grab your attention. And, and Exodus even, you see a lot of neat things where God has Moses lead the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt and leading them with fire and cloud and feeding them with manna and water out of the rock and all of these things. And then when you get through Exodus, you have Leviticus. And Leviticus has a lot of information in it, and a few stories sprinkled in. And if you happen to make it through Leviticus, then you have Numbers. And Numbers is where you find out who begat 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 who, and he begat who and who, and he begat who and who, and he begat who and who, and they all begat who and who and who and who. And there's a lot of names. And if you're anything like I am, on occasion you think to yourself, okay, I know. I know, because the Bible says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and all of it is profitable. But I'm struggling a little bit with the prophet in, uh, in some of those passages. And that, that's true. And for what it's worth, the more study you put into it, the more time you spend, you do begin to understand things and see things that have value um, the closer you get with the Lord. So, so God is not telling us a fib. He's not lying to us when he tells us that it's all beneficial. But there are passages, aren't there, that on the face of them 
are a little bit more helpful, meaning you can read them the first time you go, okay, I get that. I, I see how that helps me. I see what that tells me right away about God or about how he dealt with people or even stories when you're reading um, historical accounts of things that took place where you can easily pick up lessons, life lessons that you, that you learn from that. All right. So several years ago, I was reading through it. I made it through Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and all the way into Psalms. And I was reading through the Psalms. When I got to the Psalms, I was thoroughly enjoying reading through the Psalms just because um, you see the heart of the psalmist. You know, I think, uh, many of you would, that the book of Psalms are book of songs or poems that were written that were intended to be sung And music has a way of carrying a message and it has the heart and soul of the person who writes it there. And so you see a lot about David and other writers of these different psalms and certainly a lot of of things about God that are super helpful. Well, I got to Psalm number 46 and when I started to read it from the very beginning of reading the psalm, just like we did a moment ago, I loved it. I loved it because, um, because of its display of the power of God. In fact, I've sometimes described it, don't take offense, but sometimes I've described it as a man's psalm just because of the display of the strength of God, something that, that we men oftentimes attach ourselves to. We can, we can sense it and feel it. Um, it starts off, Psalm 46.1 starts off by saying that God is a very present help in trouble, meaning God's never um, out of service. You can, always, you can always count on him to be there when you need him. Now, admittedly, if you're thinking at all and you're honest, you might think to yourself, well, there have been times in my life where I felt like I needed God now, and I even told him so. If I've ever needed you before, I need you right now. And he didn't show up right when I said, or he didn't give the answer, or he didn't give direction, or he didn't give the money, or whatever I felt like I needed right now. But the truth of the matter is, is that in my life and in the scripture, I've never had a time that while God may have been um, on a different timetable than mine, I've never had a time when I really needed God that he, that he wasn't there. And even in the times when I couldn't sense his presence or didn't get exactly what I asked for, you find out later that God had a reason for it and he was in it all. So Psalm 46, verse 1 is great. Psalm 46, verse 6. Look at this. This one's, this one's fun. Um, verse number 6 says this. It's a picture that you're supposed to see. Verse 6 says, The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. Okay, stop real, real quickly. And uh, get this in your brain. The, the heathen rage. Heathen. The, those who defy or deny God. The people who are anti-God. The heathen rage. They get together and they yell. They shake the fist in the face of God, and they dare God to do anything against them. They dare God to show themselves, to show himself to them. They dare God to strike them dead. They, they heathen, they rage against God. The Bible says the kingdoms are moved. The kingdoms of the world come together, and they stand against God as one man with all their military might, and their bombs, and their jets, and their tanks, and everything, and the generals, and everybody stands together, and as one man they shake their fist in the face of God. The heathen rage, the kingdoms are moved. What does God do? Look at, look at the verse. The, king, the, the heathen rage, the kingdoms are moved. What does God do? Okay, just listen, listen to this. He utters his voice and the earth melts. It, it's just a, a, a picture. It shows 
the strength of the God that we serve. I will tell you, it's times like this that I go, I'm glad I'm on God's side. Because he's the one who can utter his voice and the earth melt. Though the heathen rage and the kingdoms are moved, just a word, and God has everything under control. So, so um, when I was reading through this psalm several years ago, loved it. Grabbing my attention because of the strength and might of God. And then I got down to a very familiar verse that I'm sure I'd read many times before. But for whatever reason, God helped me to see something that, that really has been a help to me for a number of years now. Let me share it with you. It's verse number 10. And actually, it's just the first part of verse number 10. The first eight words. The first eight words of verse number 10 are, are these. Be still and know that I am God. That's a great verse. In fact, if you are a person who puts verses on your walls at home, it's probably likely that in here would be represented people who have this verse and this phrase of the verse on their wall. Or if you have a bookmark in your Bible, it could be that it's on your bookmark. Uh, it's, a, it's a familiar verse. And the reason why it's familiar is because it's so power-packed. It really is. Just, just think, about, think about the phrase. Um, it divides itself naturally into three parts. Be still, secondly, and know, and then thirdly, that I am God. Be still. Um, the words be still mean to, mean to let slacken or to back up, to let go. Uh, mental picture. Think, think of this. If I were to take a toe strap or a rope and wrap it around the grand piano, and let's, let's say that it doesn't have wheels on it, and then I were to determine that I'm going to pull the piano out of the back of the auditorium, so I wrap the rope around, I put it up over my shoulder, and then with everything that's in me, I begin to pull with all of my might, pulling, 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 where the rope goes tight, it goes taut, and I'm pulling, pulling, I'm not going to move it, it's too heavy, but I'm pulling, 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 pulling. The words be still mean slacken the rope, step back. In fact, the idea is to stop or to let go, to drop it so that the rope lies limp on the ground. Be still. That's what it means. Slacken. Stop. Let go. And then, the second phrase, and know. That is, to consider. Um, to think about. And not just, not just think about intellectually, though that's part of it, but to consider um, in an experiential way, in the sense of, hey, remember this and think about how this affects you. Think about, think about this. Chew on it a little bit. Hey, let me, just, let me just make a real quick statement here. In today's time... Um, we put a big emphasis and we praise people who are industrious, which I'm 100% for. If a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. I think it's good for people to learn to work and to have a good work ethic. That's, that's a positive thing. However, we've almost done it to a detriment where we we don't have any emphasis or we don't put any um, importance in the idea of just, of just stopping and considering things, just thinking. When we sit down, we do one of two things. We turn on the television or we go to sleep. Sometimes we do both. We turn on the television and then we go to sleep. But just to stop and, oh, let me use a great Shakespeare word. Here we go. Muse. To just sit and muse is not something that we do very often, and I will tell you that it has, it has been detrimental to society. Specifically, it's been detrimental to, to uh, people who follow God. It's important to stop and think. So, be still, let loose, let go, let it slacken, 
and know, consider, think about, remember this, know this, and then the phrase, and this is where the power is, he says that I am God. This is God speaking, obviously. That I am God. And what he's doing when he says this is he's drawing our attention back to that which we just read about in the first part of the psalm. The idea is, I'm God. I'm a very present help in trouble. I, I'm everywhere. I'm not omniscient. I can, I'm all-knowing, and I'm omnipresent, I'm everywhere, and I know everything, and then I'm all-powerful. The, the heathen can rage, the kingdoms can move, but I utter my voice, the earth melts. I'm, he's saying, I'm God. I can do things that nobody else can do. You may not be able to, but I'm God. It's, it's a contrast statement. And in fact, in, in my mind, off to the side of this phrase that I am God, I have in my brain, I always think of the phrase, therefore I can because God can. And that's, that's kind of the point of Psalm 46.10. So he says, be still, let slacken, consider, remember, I'm God, therefore I can. Okay, now let me share, you why, share with you rather why this was so impactful and still is so impactful to me. Because in this verse, in this phrase, and the truth that it holds, is a key that unlocks the door to all of the peace and all of the power and all of the presence of God that you and I will ever need in our lives. This phrase, be still and know that I am God, is the key that unlocks the door to all of the peace, power, and presence of God that you and I will ever need in our lives. And let me ask you a question. And don't answer it out loud, but please do at least answer it on the inside. Does peace, power, and God's presence define your life? Are you at true peace? Power? Do you have God's power? How about His presence? And don't, don't think to yourself, well, I'm saved, therefore I have all of these things. We're not talking about in a positional way where, oh yes, I have, I have the presence of God because I'm a child of God. That, that we're talking about, this is, in an experiential way, where you live with the peace and power and presence of God in your life. Is that, does that define your life? Okay, if not, if not, then this I trust will be as much of a help to you as it is regularly to me, at least when I take advantage of the truth that's here. Because this is the key that unlocks the door. Sometimes we think of the peace and power and presence of God as a lofty goal of, boy, I wish I could get there. Oh, man, if there was some way I could live there. We talked last night about faith, hope, and charity. And some of us went away thinking to ourselves, oh, if there was just some way I could actually live in faith and live with hope and live in love. Oh, man, I'd love that. Or we look at any other number of truths. We talked about um, how there's nothing more important than our relationship with the Lord um, from Matthew chapter number 22 earlier in the week. And some of us went away thinking, oh, that's what I want. I'd love it if I had a vivacious relationship with God. That's where I'd like to be, but it's not really where I am. Oh, how do I get there? What do I do? Is it, is, do I just have to do more stuff, add more stuff to my list of things to do so that I can get there to God? And that's not the point at all. But I will tell you what unlocks the door to all of that. What unlocks the door for you, sincerely, regardless of where you are currently in your life and relationship to God? What unlocks the door for you and for me to live at peace 
with God and within ourselves, to live with God's presence and to have God's power in and on our lives. The key that unlocks the door is Psalm 46, verse 10, first eight words, putting it into practice, and that is namely, be still and know, consider, that he's God. Now, I mentioned at the beginning of the service that this is helpful because it covers the entire gamut of humanity. Let me, let me just explain what I mean real briefly. Firstly, to people who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, this gives an incredible amount of instruction. There, there is a lesson for here for people who don't know Christ, who don't have peace with God through faith in Christ. Here's the deal. For almost uh, 98% of the people who live on this globe right now, regardless of what their current understanding of God and eternity is, almost everybody believes that there is some higher being and some form of eternity. Different religions have their different ways. Different people have their different thoughts about it. But almost everybody does. And if you go to 98% of the people who live on this globe and you were to ask them in their own language, hey, If there is a heaven, if there is a heaven, how do you get there? 98% of the people will say, well, the way that you get there is by doing enough good things, and as long as you're as good as you can be, you're a good chap, your good works that way, your bad works, then, uh, hey, then um, you'll be able to make it to heaven. And that's most people's concept. And in essence, in essence, what that is, is it's me going, okay, all I have to do is make sure that I'm either better than most people or uh, I'm the best version of me or I do, uh, I do more good things than I do bad. Maybe it's through I'm, I'm religious or uh, I get sprinkled or baptized or burn a candle or do these things and I can. As long as I just try hard enough and am good enough, then God or whoever will certainly let me into his heaven or divine or whatever it is, he'll let me in. And their whole idea is to pull hard enough, to do enough to get to God. And to that person, Psalm 4610 says this, hey, listen, you need to stop. You need to be still. You need to let go of the way that you think about how to get to God and understand, remember, consider, think about the fact, God says... I'm God, meaning heaven is mine. And the way to get to me is only the way that I prescribe. And if your idea of how to get to me is any other way than the way that I have planned, then you may try to your hardest. You may do the best and you may be better than everybody else. And you may have the most sincere heart of anybody you know. But if you go another way from what I have stated, what I have said, and what I have set up, then you're not going to make it. I'm, he's saying, I'm God. And for what it's worth, in the scripture, God does tell us how to get to him, doesn't he? He says it's not by works of righteousness that we do. It's according to his mercy that we can be saved. He says our righteousness is like filthy rags. It's worthless. I mean, it's fine to be good to everybody else, but when it comes to trying to purchase or uh, get to heaven, it won't, it cannot, it won't cut it. 
Because the standard for heaven and for being with God is to be perfect like God. And you and I can't do it. Not on our best days. So, God became man in the person of Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ, who stated, I and the Father are one, who proclaimed, it is only through the only begotten Son that a person can be saved. That Son of God became sin when He died on the cross, paid for your price, so that we who are sinners by nature and by choice can have those sins forgiven and can be given the righteousness or perfection of God through Jesus Christ. And that is the way that God has chosen. The Bible says that whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that really is the truth. So that to anybody who thinks to themselves, I can get to God by the things that I do, they have to let go of what they think and consider, well, he's God. And if he has provided a way, prescripted a way, or rather prescribed a way, then um, I, I need to go his way. Do you see how it helps people who, who think about their own way, about how to get to God, who come up with their own ideas? So to those who are lost, there's an important lesson. Be still. Let go and consider, mm, he's God. He has a way, and you've got to seek his way. By, by the way, what I've just told you about what God says about how to get to him is not something that I came up with or the pastor and I came up with. This is something that comes straight from the scriptures. I would love to be able to show you further from the scriptures if you have questions about it, where God says over and over again how to get to him, and it's by faith in Christ and Christ alone. And for what it's worth, what we'll celebrate in just a few weeks, Resurrection Sunday, is proof positive that God will do everything he promised he'll do. If the Lord Jesus Christ did come back to life, and he did, it is provable. 500 people saw him. That's proof positive in any court of law. If Jesus Christ did come back to life, he was proving that he is who he claimed to be and that he is powerful enough to save you from your sins. After all, he's powerful enough to save himself from death. He can save you from yours. And that, that's the whole point. So, um, so uh, to those who are without Christ, there comes a lesson. Hey, secondly, to those um, who are away from the Lord, perhaps have trusted Christ but not living for the Lord, there comes a, a little bit of a warning from this. Now, take it kindly, but um, warnings are kind if they're meant for your benefit, and it really is. Here's the idea. The idea is, okay, <clears throat> I've trusted Christ, but I'm going to live my way. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. I, I've trusted Christ, yes, and for a while I served the Lord, but I got off on some things. I started doing some things. Ah, maybe they're not right, but seriously, they're not really hurting anybody else. And I'm saying it's not that, it's not really that big a deal. It's, uh, I, 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 really, I mean, I can, I can do what I want. And it's a little embarrassing to come back now because I've made mistakes and maybe I'd have to apologize to people. So I don't want to do that. So uh, I can, I mean, I can live how I want to live and do what I want to do. And it really doesn't affect anybody else. It'll be fine. I can just, I can, I can do it the way that I want to. It's not that big a deal. 
And to the person who's away from the Lord, this warning comes. Hey, you better let go of the way you're thinking about things. And you better consider, God says, okay, I'm God, which means I know. I'm aware. And I've already told you in my word that those who are my children who step away, I will punish. Not because of hatred, but because of love. Like a loving father who punishes a child for the good and benefit of that child. So a loving heavenly father brings chastisement onto the life of his children who step away. And sometimes in that in-between time where we're living however we want to live, and we think it's just fine and it's no big deal, and I'm getting away with it so far so it's not that big a deal, um, we need to just stop and let go of the way we're thinking about things and remember he's God, that he will punish. But here's what I love. He'll forgive. And this is the truth. Now, please hear me. I don't know the heart or situation of almost anybody that's here. pastor hasn't said anything about anybody. Regardless of how many steps away you and I may get from the Father, there's always only one step to being right back in fellowship. I don't know what you have done to go away from God. I don't know what you're involved in, what you're watching, what you're looking at, what what you have put into your body or what you put your body into. But I'm telling you, there's a God in heaven who at the return of his child runs and falls on his neck and kisses him and says, Kill the fatted calf. Put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet. There will be dancing tonight. There will be laughter tonight. My son has come home. Consequences, there may be. God can help with those as well, but the point is you can be right back in fellowship with God. So if tonight, and I don't know anybody's situation, but if tonight you're thinking, I can do what I want, it doesn't really matter. Hey, look, you need to let go of the way you're thinking about things and remember He's God. He will punish. He's given his word. He will do it. And you would much rather experience the forgiveness of God than the the chastisement of God. So let go of the way you're thinking about things. In fact, uh, let me just mention this, because I've lived long enough now to see it on several occasions where people who are away from the Lord are enduring. They're living through the chastisement of God. And uh, instead of seeing it as such, they they just keep on going and keep on going and keep on going and keep on going to the point where God finally has to take them because he loves them. But it'd be better just to be made right with the Lord, and you can be. You can be. So so to those who are lost, there comes a lesson. To those who are wayward, who are away from the Lord, there's a warning here. And then lastly, and really the reason why I love this passage, why it was such a why it's been a help to me and continues to be, is because to those who are following Christ, there's there's a great amount of comfort here. Um Verse 10 of Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God, is a reminder to me of, uh, of, of a fact of life. And that is this. Um, did you know that once you trust Christ as Savior, all problems don't disappear? How many of you already knew that? Like that was already on your radar, that there are still... Okay, so once a person trusts Christ, it's not like, ha we're in heaven now. There are no more problems. In fact, sometimes problems almost seem to amplify. Um, now, that, that's not really all that fair because everybody has struggles. Everybody has problems. But here's what happens. 
we, just like everybody else, have issues. We have uh, um, relational issues. We have financial issues. We have job issues. We have purpose issues. We have directional issues. I don't mean like which way to turn out of church. I mean like what do we do next? What's our, what's our direction for life? And we have all of these things. And here's, here's, sometimes, here's sometimes what we do. Sometimes we think to ourselves, okay, <clears throat> I'm a Christian. I want to follow the Lord. Um, that's, that's what I desire. And I need to, I need to make sure uh, that I'm getting everything done that needs to be done. I need to make sure that uh, I'm taking care. I'm fixing. I need to fix the relationships in my life and make sure all the relationships are where they're supposed to be. And I got to take care of all the financial needs and I got to make sure that uh, that uh, I have purpose in life and that I have direction in life and I'm, I'm doing the right thing. And I got to make sure that everything is going the way it's supposed to go. And if troubles come, I need to, I mean, God helps those who help themselves. And if I fall down, I pick myself up by my bootstraps and I just keep on going and I pull, I got to, I got to, I got to make sure it happens. They've got to make sure life happens and does as good as it could possibly do. And we live our lives as Christians, honestly, with knots in our stomach and chewing on our nails and worried and fretting about everything that happens around us. And we're living this life of, I've got to make sure, i got to fix it, i got to fix it, i got to be the one. I'm the one who can stand in the gap. I'm the one who can take care of this. And we live our lives with our insides jumbled up to the, to the point to the, okay, time out, 45 seconds, full time out. Pastor hasn't said anything to me about anybody. So I'm going to mention something specific. And if this touches anybody, two things. I don't know about it. Secondly, I am very sympathetic towards this. So please don't take my mentioning it as a downer. The reason why I say that is because it's a big deal. But it gets to the point where there are believers who cannot handle life without the aid of medication to be able to handle it. I'm sympathetic towards it because it's in my family. And naturally, by my personality, this is the way I would tend. And it's something that I struggle with. So I'm very sympathetic towards it. But here's the point, friends. Psalm, I understand that if a person pushes so long that they need medical help, perhaps, to get the chemicals back in balance so that things look right the way they're supposed to look, and taking vitamins and drinking water, I'm for it all. But here's the point. We don't have to live that way. And that's what Psalm 46.10 practically provides for us. This is the key that unlocks the door to live in peace and to live in God's presence and to live with His power on our lives as opposed to me feeling like I've got to do it. I've got to make sure it gets done. What are you saying, Brother Tim, that we're just supposed to sit back and let life happen? No, 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 no. I'm not talking about losing responsibility. I'm talking about in the midst of our responsibilities, living with God's peace, God's power, and God's presence. And what a difference Psalm 46.10 makes when we will take God at His word and literally take time to just... Stop. Consider. Think. 
He's God. He's God. What relationship can he not mend? What financial situation can God not take care of? What wisdom do I need that God does not have the answer for? What kind of direction could I need where, I, where, where God could not provide for me the direct? I mean, we're talking about God here. But knowing that in the back of our brains, please, please hear me. Knowing that in the back of our brains does not provide peace, power, and presence. The peace, the power, and presence comes when we take time just to stop and consider he's God. Literally. Let me, let me tell you uh, two quick stories. One is real, one's made up, and then our time is done. Between my junior and senior year of college, Brittany and I were engaged to be married. I had a responsibility because of the major I was in that I had to spend a summer as a summer staff counselor at the camp that I've mentioned, the Bill Rice Ranch in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Now, okay, so between my junior and senior year of college, the things I'm thinking about are, the, are these. Uh, to, to me, a big deal at that time. I had my senior year of college to pay for. This may surprise you, but working as a volunteer employee at a, at a uh, Christian camp is not exactly a lucrative position. I think I made $35 a week. It wasn't going to quite cover the cost of my senior year. Um, I was about to get married. At that time, I was 21 years of age. What 21-year-old knows anything about, well, for that matter, what 35-year-old knows anything about being married, but certainly at 21, okay, so I had college, I, I, had, um, I had marriage I was thinking about. When I got to the ranch, I found out my schedule. This was my schedule every day. Um, a little different on Friday, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, tad different, but not much. Every morning at 7.30, I would get up, I would give devotions, um, I would speak to guys, about 150 guys, and then I would go to the breakfast place, and I would open up the door and let people go in, in sections so that they go have breakfast. After breakfast, I would go back to the cabin and get my guys to start cleaning their cabin. <laughs> um, and after I got them cleaning the cabin and all clean, then everybody would go to service, except for me, because I had a position called the runner position, which meant for the next two and a half hours, I went around camp and unclogged toilets. When that was finished, I washed my hands, go to the lunch place, open up the door, let people go in for lunch. After lunch was done, then everybody got to take a nap, unless you were involved in music or skits. And I was involved in music and skits, and so we practiced during that time. And then from 2 until about 4.30, 5 o'clock, I would go ref basketball. When that was finished, I'd go to supper, open up the door, let people go into supper. When supper was finished, then get cleaned up, go to the service, help uh, in skits or sing in the service. And then I would either run the sound or else I would go down to a place called Cowboy Town, which is where all the cool stuff happens after services, and get this get Cowboy Town ready to go. We'd dip ice cream and do milkshakes and all kinds of Fun stuff. Do that until about 10 or 10.15. We close down Cowboy Town, clean up Cowboy Town, go back to the um, dorm, and then give a quick minute, uh, quick five-minute devotional to the guys, and then get in bed and wake up the next day and do it again. And that was, that was every day um, pretty much my schedule. And um, so I found out the schedule that I was going to do, and I was going, oh, 
baby. Uh, wow, this is really, I was in, I was in college. I could say baby. Um, this is, this, that was a lot of stuff going on. I can't, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, okay, I got next year to pay for. I'm getting married. I, I've got this schedule. And I'm, I'm working at a Christian camp because, and I want to see God work in the lives of these kids. So I'm thinking, oh, I, I want to see God do something special in these kids' lives and really work in them, work on them and show them the way that's right and all of that. Oh, man, I want all this. And honestly, you want to talk about, now, admittedly, for many of you, you think, yeah, that's, that's kids' play. But I was a kid. And like puppy love is real to the puppy, busyness to a kid is still busyness. And it was like, oh, whoa, all this, all this stuff to get done and all these things I got to think through and, ah. Uh, and the Lord had begun to teach me from another passage about this. And so here's, here's what happened. And this is not for the sake of dramatics for this message. Honestly, this is what happened. Every day I'd get up about 20 minutes before I needed to. And I would go to a place on the ranch that almost nobody else knows about. And I would take time to read from the scriptures that day. And I had a list of things I was praying through. But then, honestly, for five or ten minutes, I would just take time to just... Stop. And consider. He's God. He's God. Next year you got to pay for this. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. If he wants me to do it, he's God. Marriage. You're going to get married. You invented the thing. (laughs) If you can't help, can't nobody help. He's God. What about these kids' lives? You want to see God work? Okay, but it's him. Okay, and again, I'm not saying this for the sake of dramatics. This is the honest truth. That summer, I experienced God's peace, God's power, and God's presence like I had never seen it before. And it wasn't found in my life, my life having nothing going on. It was in the midst of the storm of everything going on that I could enjoy his peace, his power, and his presence, not because I was 21 and strong enough, but because in being still, I got to enjoy his peace, power, and presence. Okay, last illustration, we're set. Milk crate, you know what a milk crate is? Yes? Okay, milk crate full of rocks. Set up here at the front, a rope tied around it, the other end of the rope tied around my son Asher, he's three, his waist, and I give Asher command. Asher, pull the rocks to the back of the auditorium. So, Asher, obediently, well, well, he can't move, and it's a milk crate full of rocks, but he's pulling because Dad told him to pull. It's his responsibility. Pull, pull, pull. Unbeknownst to him, I come up behind him, and I pick up the crate of rocks. And he's pulling, 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 not moving it, but he's pulling, and then I take a step. Well, when I take a step, he's pulling, 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 but the, the rock's moving, so he moves with it. And he's thinking to himself, all right, yes, I'm doing it. 
I'm doing it. I take another step, and he can take a couple more steps. And he's pulling, 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 and pulling, pulling, pulling. And I take another step, and he takes a couple more steps. And I take another step, and he takes a few steps. Let me ask you, will the rocks make it to the back of the auditorium, yes or no? Sure. What will Asher's state be? What will he be like? Telling you, Dad chose the right kid when he chose me. (laughs) Seth and Samuel couldn't have done this. But Dad chose me. Good choice, Dad. Well done. If he doesn't fall out on the way, then the tendency will be towards arrogance. Get it. Okay. Same crate. Same rocks, same rope, same kid, same command. Pull! And he starts pulling, and I come up and I pick up the rocks. And this time, as he's pulling, he turns around and he sees me holding the rocks. So he stops, and he backs up, and he grabs a hold of my pant leg. And every time I take a step, he takes a couple steps. And I take a step, And he takes a couple steps. Will the rocks make it to the back of the auditorium? What will Asher's state be? Peace. Everything's good. Dad's got it. Power. Not his own, but Dad's. It's right there with him. And all of that because he has the presence of Dad. Okay, friends, here's the deal. You don't have to pull the piano. Yet there are pianos to be moved. There's life to be lived. You need direction. You have relationships that are on the glitz. You need help. You need wisdom. You need money. You need all of those things. I don't, I don't deny that at all. You do just like I do. Here's what I'm saying. Your choices are, i got to get it done. Do it. Got to do it. Got to do it. Got to do it. And you can live with your fingernails chewed off and your stomach in knots and you're worried about it or pushing hard until you fall over and give up. Or else, you can listen to what God says here and just take time. Every day, every day, Every day, and twice on Mondays, to just be still and remember He's God. And what happens is as you get in the habit of taking time to be still, that stillness stays with you in the midst of the storm. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Wouldn't you like to live that way? Yeah, me too. That's why I love Psalm 46. Father, I pray that you'd impress upon our hearts the value of this now. I ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.
just before pastor comes and closes the service, if you would just keep heads bowed and eyes closed just for a moment. And let me ask several questions. I mentioned three different groups of people that could be affected by this passage. The first were those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, who think the way, who think legitimately that the way to get to God is by the good things that they can do. And I showed you from the scriptures just a, a couple of verses, just quoted them, that that's not what God has said. And you, need, you have to let go of what you think and realize that he's God and he's provided the way. And I wonder if there are some tonight who would say by an upraised hand, Tim, that's what I need. I need to trust Christ, God's way, so that my sins can be forgiven and so that uh, I can have the righteousness of Christ, so that I can have confidence of my eternal life in God. I don't know that I've trusted Christ, or I know that I have not, or I have questions about it, you'd say, by an upraised hand, and you'd say, Tim, please pray for me. I won't embarrass you, I promise. But if that's true for you, would you mind just slipping up your hand where you are so I can pray for you? I won't point you out or have you stand, anything like that, but I want to pray for you if I can. Anybody like that? Tim, I don't know for certain, but I would like to, or I have questions about it. Okay, I see that hand. I'll pray for you. Others say the same thing. Secondly, I wonder if there's anybody tonight who would say, uh, Tim, for me, it's a matter of being away from the Lord, and I know it. I've been living life how I want to, and maybe I almost feel embarrassed about trying to come back, or there's some difficult things in coming back, or I thought it's not that big a deal, but tonight I see that I need to let go of the way I think about things and remember that he's God, and I would much rather experience his forgiveness than the chastisement or punishment And so, uh, Brother Tim, tonight I need to get back to God, and I know it. There's some things that need to be taken care of in my life, and I want to come back to God tonight. Anybody like that? Uh, Would you slip up your hand and let me pray with you and for you about it? God bless you. Wonderful. Wonderful. Several hands. God bless you. Great. Great. Let's talk to the Lord about that in a minute. And then lastly, I wonder how many tonight would say, Brother Tim, to the best of my ability, I want to follow the Lord but I'm in the category of uh, nails bitten, stomach in knots, living life, pulling the piano. And tonight I see the importance of taking time to be still. And if God will help me, I want to start that so that I can live with his presence and thereby get his peace and his power. And you'd say tonight, Brother Tim, that, that's something that needs to change and start in my life. Please pray with me and for me about it. Anybody like that tonight? Would you lift up your hand and let me pray with you? Okay, a number of hands. All right, good, good. Everybody, would you look up this way? Thanks for your great attention tonight. I'm grateful to have been able to share this with you. For those that raise their hands about needing to trust Christ or having questions about it, I want you to get with somebody. Please do talk to somebody and get questions answered because there are answers to the questions. So talk to somebody. If you're a guy, there are men that would love to talk to you. If you're a lady, there are ladies that would love to talk to you. You can get with pastor, and pastor will get you connected with somebody after the service. For those who said, man, there's something specific that needs to be taken care of so that I can walk with the Lord. I need to get back. I want to enjoy his forgiveness instead of go through the chastisement. Then let me encourage you in just a minute just to talk to the Lord. I'm going to, I'm going to take a minute and pray for you, and I'll invite you to do the same. And then for those who would say, this needs to start in my life, I need to take time to be still and know that he's God so I can live with his peace, power, and presence. Then in just a minute, when we talk to the Lord, just tell the Lord that, and then, practically, why don't you decide when and where? Like, decide now. When and where 
and then um, set your alarm. Because there's a practical side to this if we're going to experience The keys are there. The keys are there. The door that's stopping you, it can be unlocked. And it will, won't happen instantaneously. But in time, as you take time to be still and know, and I'm telling you, his presence, his power, his peace, <laughs> great way to live. Great way to live. So I'm just talking to the Lord about it. Can we go to the Lord? If God's dealt in your heart, would you bow your heart and your head before him? And then if you need counsel about anything in particular, that's why we're here. After the service, come, come see me, come see Pastor. Uh, or if you're connected with somebody already, then talk to them. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, please hear the prayers of your children as they come before you now. There are several who have some significant things, I think, to talk to you about. So please hear, and please, uh, Father, be the very present help in trouble that you promised you would be. We trust you, the God who can speak and the earth melts. And we need to know what it is to live with your peace, power, and presence. But we have these things touch us every day and push against us, and we feel like we have to pull hard. So, um, God, help us to see. Help us to see. Now, Lord, as people are dealing with you specifically, please hear and answer speedily. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I ask. Let me give just 30 or 45 seconds. Um, We'll have just a brief song of invitation on the piano. You talk to the Lord right where you are, won't you? And then pastor will come close the service. While our heads are bowed and the piano continues to play, if you're here tonight and right now while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you would like for someone, as Tim mentioned, one of the men or one of the ladies to pray with you and show you from God's word how you can know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, would you just stand up and make your way here to the front? Tell me what's on your heart. We'll let one of our men and one of our ladies help you right now. Or if you're here as a Christian, you have a burden on your heart. You'd like to, if we can help you with that, would you just come and give someone an opportunity right here? Or you can go into a room where you can have a little more privacy for a few minutes and just share the Word of God with each other. If we can help you, you come right now. people said amen I needed that tonight and I mean that don't you we all need it and we need to be reminded of it 
You know, the night I got saved, I mentioned last night as a teenager, and I'd heard the gospel all my life. And, you know, even that Thursday night in that meeting, uh, I think they sang about 400 verses of Just As I Am. You know, y'all remember that? I mean, I'm not, hey, that's all right, that's okay. And I was under conviction, and I remember, and, and I remember before being in church like this, and the and, and whether it's salvation or whatever, and, uh, and my hands would be sweaty. I would be, you know, the Lord was working in my heart. And even the night I got saved, I, for some reason, and my friend standing beside of me just very calmly and very quietly leaned over. And it was, I guess it was very obvious I was under conviction. And very calmly he just said to me, if you feel you need to go forward, I'll be glad to go with you. And you know, that just encouraged, and I stepped up, and I trusted the Lord walking down the I knew what I needed to do, but God works through people. And you know, and I say that if you're here tonight, and you're not sure you're saved, we're going to dismiss in just a moment, but just, if you have somebody here with you tonight, just calmly ask them if they could help you. If you have a burden on your heart, or if you don't want to speak to the person you're with, then as Tim said, See one of us before you leave tonight, and we'll do all we can to help you. That's what it's all about. I'm glad there were people who helped me and still helped me along the way. Amen? We all need minister to, don't we? So let's all stand, be dismissed in a word of prayer, and if we can help you at all. And you know what? I'd love to put a rope around that piano and just agonize to get you back tomorrow night and agonize you to pray and agonize you to get somebody else with you agonize to have the best crowd here tomorrow but you know what i'm just gonna be still and let god take care of all of us how about that and if nobody shows up but tim and i tomorrow night i'll just let tim matter of fact i may not no i'll be here tomorrow just to, amen just be still And if we all just let God have his way, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the truth of your word tonight. And now, God, help us to to follow through and do our part. Give us wisdom that truly we might learn to be still and know that you're God. And as we've been reminded, Lord, we still have our responsibilities. Help us to be faithful. And, Lord, we just thank you for speaking to hearts tonight. And we pray that each one will just be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Give us safety as we travel home. Be with us tomorrow. And uh, as we serve you and live for you and take care of our families and our responsibilities. And we look forward to coming back tomorrow night. Thank you for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Good night, folks. God bless you.